Hello, everyone. Great to be back as we are post-Shavuot studying Yivamos. We are concluding today the parak of Ravid Gamliel, a complicated parak, but I think we broke it down pretty well. And Bezras Hashem on Nun Gimel Amid Beis, starting the next parak, very famous parak, Haba Ayuvimta. I wanted to spend a little time today zeroing in on Ravina. Ravina Amar is the top of Nun Gimel Amid Aleph. Dekul Yama, in commenting on the Machlokas that we started last week between uh, Rebbe and the Chachamim, Yesh Tanai Bechalitza. There is substance to a Tanai regarding Chalitza. In Mesecha's Kedushin, we have some very famous uh, Tanayim, I guess we would call it, a Kedushin Al Tanai. I want to mention just a, a very fancy one, pretty famous one. If a person says, I will be Mekadesh you on condition that I become a Baal Tshuva, is that a condition that is effective or not? And the Gemara says yes, because perhaps he has Hirhure Kedusha. Ramosha Feinstein used this in an analysis of uh, giving someone an aliyah who's not Shomer Shabbos. And there's a whole discussion why a person would have to be Shomer Shabbos to get an aliyah, whether that would apply today or not is a, is a big question because the person may not be a uh, sinning lahachas. And Ramosha said that on the holiest days of the year, there's less of an issue to give a person an aliyah because just like we have here Hurei Tshuva that may make that condition functional, because again, the whole concept of a condition, we're not going into great details today, is that condition is a possibility for it to take place. So a person uh, on the Yom Narayim is going to have Hirhure Kedusha. Now, I want to point out that later on in the Gemara, much later on in Daf Kuf Vav Amin Aleph, we're going to see that the Halacha follows the opinion that there is no reality that ain't Bechalitza. And we'll have to explain why. But over here, the the Ravina is going with the opposite view. So it's interesting that sometimes you could read a Gemara and it seems very clear that the Halacha is one way, but it's only that way from the perspective of an Amora. But at the end of the day, we're going to say, Ein Tanai B'chalitza. In fact, just again, this is a methodology of how to learn a Gemara. If you look at the Aleph, around uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12 lines down, if I'm counting correctly, ain't tanai b'chalitza. You're going to see that Aleph. It's going to send us to the Ein Mishpat Ner Mitzvah. Rambam Perik Dal Mehichas Yibam Halacha Chaf So it's very fascinating. You could have a Kuliyama, a Yesh Tanai b'chalitza, but at the end the Gemara is going to come up with a conclusion that it's not. Now, I wanted to just mention today, we're going to take a, a little bit of a different approach post-Shavuo. So for full disclosure to everybody who's on here, I'm not going as uh, Iyun. I want to get through this uh, daf. Bezras Hashem will be able to catch up a little bit on Shabbos. Um, I want to also say parenthetically how many of you pointed out to me so beautifully over Yom Tov, the Rus and Yibum and Yavama. And what, part of what we learned came to life, even though, as we pointed out, 
way, way, way back in this Masechta, 50 or so weeks ago, 52 weeks ago, incredibly a year ago, that the Yibam that we see in Megillah Rus is not the Yibam that we're seeing. And this is really going to come on why I'm mentioning it today, because this next parak, which is parak Vav, is Haba al Yivimto. That's the classic case of Yibam as we've been discussing all along. It's the brother, Ruvain, passes away. He was married to Sarah. There were no children. Shimon then comes. Not the Boaz, where you have to try to figure out through a lot of analysis how he even could play such a role as the Redeemer. So that was something that we discussed way back. But I wanted to touch on a couple of things today. First of all, right after the Ravina piece, in the Ravina piece, but right after Ravina makes the statement, as we're pointing out, is not a halachic statement. Ravina discusses an aspect of Tanai. And I haven't really gone into explaining what exactly Tanai is. But we have this statement, and hopefully we'll get a little bit more into it, because the statement says, Here it's regarding a need for a double stipulation. What exactly does this mean, a double stipulation? And this is something that we're going to see very often relating to Tanayim. So I want to give a little bit of perspective. You actually need some Chumash appreciation over here that's going to come up later in Sefer Bamidbar, Bamidbar Lamid Beis. And then I wanted to share with you for the rest of this year fascinating Chashuk Echemet with the Halacha issue that comes up on this daf. We'll leave till next week <coughs> the issues from Nun Gimel Ahmed Beis. And I'd encourage you in preparation for the next parak to spend a little time looking at some of those Rambams. Not only the Rambams and Hilchos Yibam, but also look into the first parak of the Rambam, Hilchos Isure Bia, which is found in the Sefer of Kedusha. If you're not familiar with how to find the Rambam online, look at Machon Mamre. They have it. I'm not sure if they have a translation, but I pointed out before Chabad.org does have an excellent translation of the Rambam. So in order to stick with our daf, I want to show you, if you look at the Rambam Ein Mishpat near Mitzvah Beis, where the Rambam is following the position of Rebbe in our Gemara, that you need to have what's called a Tanai Kafel, a twofold stipulation. The Ram sends us to Perikvav of Hilchas Yishas Halacha Beis. Now, this principle of a stipulation is not inherently connected to Ishus, but the reason why the reference is there, and is because, in fact, in the Rambam, his discussion of Tanayim is found in Hilchas Ishus, Perik Vav. This actually goes beyond Ishus in particular. And I think the reasoning is because the Gemara tells us in Masechus Kiddushin that a Tanai for Kiddushin requires, this is Kiddushin Samach Aleph Amun Aleph, requires four different rules to take place. I'm going to spell it out uh, pretty much to the point. And then this becomes the Mala for all other place. So this is like how the Torah Shabbat, the Bavli, becomes the epicenter for the Halacha 
is explained by the Rambam. Again, even in the Rambam, you're not always going to find, in, in for example, Hilchas Ishus, only Ishus issues. Other issues will be connected, but the center will be in Ishus, even though from the Torah perspective, it's actually in a different place, as we'll see. What happens in Perak Vav, as I pointed out at the beginning of the year, is Hamikadesh al A man consecrates a woman based on a conditional agreement. And the Rambam goes on to say this condition could be from the man or it could be from the woman. And it's only when the Tanai takes place, the condition takes place, is the Kiddushin Chal. Now in that Rambam, the Rambam says, V'chol Tanai Olam, any condition, Bein B'Kiddushin, Bein B'Gerushin, this connects to our Gemara as well. But listen now, Bein B'Mikach, Bein B'Mimkar, so we usually refer to that as Mekach or Memkar. Also in the world of uh, sales. Bein b'shar batanai arba There are four conditions that are required. Notice the Rambam did not say over here, tanai of a chalitza. Ravina could come along and say, obviously Ravina is before the Rambam, but he could say this fits into all the tanayim of the world. But we already took care of that. So the Rambam says, shall call tanai. This is Perikvav Halacha Beis. Number one, which is our issue, sheyu kafel, that the stipulation must be twofold. Explaining it very briefly, and then we'll see the source in the Torah, is it has, a, has to have a positive and a negative statement. Condition number two, I'm just going to go through this part quickly. The positive aspect has to be before the negative. So I will marry you on that this happens before stating, I will marry you if this doesn't happen, if I don't become a Baal Tshuva. First, you have to state it in the positive. And the third, in its formulation, you have to mention, this is too detailed for us right now, you have to, the Tanai has to be mentioned before the action, which is a very big issue. You can't say to a, it has to be in the realm of possibility. You can't say to a person, I'm going to marry you or I'm going to divorce you on the condition that I fly. Right away, you're done. And that's what the Rambam says. It's not considered to be a Tanai. And then he goes on to say, what the Rambam here is saying is if you don't give the full formulation and you give the Misa, then the Misa is going to apply. So, for example, in the Kiddushan realm, if I say I am going to marry you on the following condition and you don't spell out the conditions properly, it doesn't mean the whole thing falls apart. In this situation, it means that you do get married. So even in the case where you, a person says, I'm going to fly, you ignore any of the language that's not the proper formulation, and you just focus on the fact that you're saying harayat mikudeshetli. So again, this would be discussed in Maseches Kedushin. What's going to come up, halacha lamasa, which we're going to get to at the end part of the shir, is that really what happens when we're discussing a donation, for example? A person gives a donation on condition that the money be used for this building. It's not 
necessarily the same because you're already giving the donation. The question then will be, does the community have the responsibility to only use the money for this building? Let's say this building has to be knocked out. It's not that the condition is making the MISA itself take place. This is hopefully going to be explained in the last case that I'm going to give. Now, the source for this is Bamidbar, Lamed Beis, Pasuk Chavtes, and Lamed. It's really incredible that in Tupsukim we're able to derive all of these halachas. And this is the way the Torah Shabbat Per works. In Parshas Matos, Shevet, Ruvain, and God, we see that they have a lot of livestock. There's the beginning of Parak Lamed Beis. So they want to stay on the east bank. We're dealing with these issues today, right? They want to stay what today is Jordan, Transjordan, as it was previously called. So they come to Moshe and to Elazar Cohen, to the leaders, and they negotiate for this land. At least they ask for it. Now, Moshe wasn't too excited. What Moshe here is recalling is that when it came to the Miraglim, people were very upset. And now you people are saying that you don't really want a piece of Eretz Yisrael. And they're saying, no, it's mumminous. We're interested in its <coughs> benefits. It's not that we have anything against Eretz Yisrael. So Moshe, after they clarify their request, puts in certain conditions. And this is what he says. This is very famous, and, you know, we're dealing today with a, a war in Israel, so it's worth spending some time on this. And hopefully we could be the partners, like Reuven and God, and eventually it was Chatzis Shevet Menashe as well. But what you find spelled out in these psukim is how Moshe says to them, Im im if you end up doing these following things, then you'll be able to have your property. But first you have to come and fight. And what you have in Sukkim Chavtes and Lamed are the specific conditions, the four conditions that we spelled out. That's not all four, but here at least you see the double. And then you look into the Gemara in Kiddushin, Samach Aleph, as we pointed out, Samach Beis and Samach Gimel, and you'll see how the other conditions are spelled out. Now, as I said before, the concept of a Tanai finds its way in many different areas, and not all Tanayim are created equally. I'm not even talking now about Tanayim at Chasanah. The tonight we're talking about here is to create a contract. But if there's already a deal, there's already an exchange, but the exchange is given on certain conditions, it won't necessarily have to go through all four of these uh, clauses. Again, these are very detailed halachas, but I just want to give you a couple of how this applies. Now, one of them I actually mentioned Shavuos night, not going through all the sources again, but if you look into halacha, you know there's a special mitzvah of Esmikdashi Tiro. So we shouldn't be able to eat in a shul. 
let's say in the sanctuary, forget about the atrium for a second, we shouldn't be able to be involved in certain activities, anything but davening. But there's no halachic issue to have kiddush in a shul. In fact, this was established, as we see in the Gemara Meseches Pesachim, where you could drink in a shul, and this was done for guests. And it seems like sometimes they would push away some of the chairs, they didn't have fancy pews, and they'd maybe have the sauda. It was like just a big box building. So the Gemara says in Megillah, as we explained, that every Beit Knesset was built al-Tanai. Now that doesn't mean it's not a Beit Knesset without this condition, but a built-in condition of the Beit Knesset was that certain activities would be allowed. So that's the same term tonight. It's the same condition, but it's not a condition to make a Kenyan for the contract to take place. In fact, just along those lines, the Chavetz Chaim points out in a couple of places that this doesn't mean any activity is allowed. It's a general tonight. But that, that tonight doesn't let Lashon Hara be spoken. It doesn't let Kalas Rosh take place. It's very narrow in how it's applied. So this leads me to on this daf itself, and that's why I'm borrowing the Tanai from the double stipulation to have a broader discussion about Tanayim, because this is what you see the Chashuk Echemet does as well. The question that comes to Rav Zilberstein is, uh, let's say it's a shul. They have svarim that were donated by someone, but there was a condition in the donation that they should never be sold. So what happens if after many years, let's, let's make it 50, 60, 70 years, they had made this uh, donation on condition that it shouldn't be sold, but now people aren't using these old editions. I know myself, like I used to use a certain type of Mishnabura, certain type of Rambam, now we knew, use a new one. What happens with people that have donated this farm, especially over here, if a person put a clause, is a complete donation, but it can never be sold. So the question is, Are you now allowed to sell them in order to buy new ones? Now, you would think this condition is so strong. But again, this is reinforcing my point that this is not a condition that effectuates the actual initial Kenyan. It's a different type of Tanai. And if we would do a full analysis, you'd have to put all the Tanayim together and see which ones fit into the category in our Gemara and which one fits into different categories. So he answers from his uh, father-in-law, Revel Yashiv Zatzal, that you could sell a yeshiva building that was donated if parents are scared to send them to that yeshiva. So let's say somebody says, I'm, I'm donating uh, money for yeshiva, but I never want this place to be sold. But if that yeshiva is no longer functional, and he gives a situation, there was a yeshiva very close to Machina Yehuda. There were different terrorist attacks that were taking place, and people weren't sending their kids to that yeshiva. Maybe they couldn't secure it properly. They couldn't have the right security and the, the walls and windows. In a situation like that, he said it's as if it's fallen into disuse. And he establishes that you haven't really undermined the condition. Because you, you can't have a yeshiva that's knocked down. And therefore, there wouldn't be a problem to sell that property. So what Rav Zilberstein does, he also invokes Rav Chaim Kanievsky into this tshuva as well, is that if you have svarim that are more or less dysfunctional, they, they can't be used or very hard to use, then they basically have reached their expiration date. And it doesn't undermine 
the original Tanai. He says, And it's really going to make a difference. He says, I asked my brother-in-law, Rukhan Kanievsky, if it could be used, and that would be fine. But what Rukhan Kanievsky said is, you wouldn't say the same thing with a Megillah. Because just because you have a new font on a Megillah, or it's better print, you still could use the old one. When it comes to Svarim, it's the excitement for the whole seaboard. They're not going to go open up an old-looking safer where they can't even figure out to make heads or tails out of a Rashi. But if you're talking about something that a Balkore, a Mumcha, is going to be able to read, so then you're not going to be able to sell it. Now, a lot of this relates to the Gemara Maseches Megillah, which we're not getting into, that we discussed. Some of you were with us for Dafa Shavua when we studied Megillah and items that could be sold and not sold, and for what use, and we discussed the conditions there as well. Have a great week of learning. I'm very excited about this new parak that we are facing, and Mazel Tov on finishing Rabban Gamliel.